0: Welcome to the Making Kids Count podcast brought to you by Kentucky Youth Advocates, where we sit down with policymakers, community leaders, and youth to discuss ideas to make Kentucky the best place to be young. Now here's your host, Terry Brooks.
1: I'm Terry Brooks, and this is Making Kids Count. Today we're joined by Jennifer Hancock and Kentucky Senate President Robert Stivers. Jennifer has had over 20 years of experience as a social worker and administrator with 10 of those years at Volunteers of America Mid-States. She is currently the president and CEO of VOA, where they serve over 23,000 clients each year through addiction recovery services, housing programs for families and veterans, and so much more. Robert Stivers is the state senator representing the 25th district including Clay, Knox, Lee, Owsley, Whitley, and Wolf Counties, and has served as president of the Kentucky Senate since 2012. Most importantly, President Stivers recently became a grandfather. So welcome, Jennifer and President Stivers. Thanks so much for joining us today. Great to be here. Thanks, Terry. Well, you know, our view is that comprehensive and innovative solutions to complex problems in the Commonwealth face us all. And we see Clay County as a unique incubator for tackling complex problems. It seems to be a community that recently is uniquely positioned to tackle multiple big-time issues in an integrated way, featuring public and private partnerships that reflect creative and imaginative relationships. And frankly, if I'm looking at the efforts to date, I think we can look ahead in one or two years and see results and data that might inform other efforts in different counties across the state. Uh, a set of lessons that maybe lots of communities can buy into. So I don't think we can start the discussion around the multifaceted initiatives happening in Clay County, talking about those kind of solutions without starting with a discussion about place. So President Stivers, you're the expert on this. Take our listeners to Clay County. What are they going to see? What are they going to feel? What are they going to hear? What Describe Clay County
2: through your through your lens and through your eyes. Well, I'm going to digress a little bit and give a historical perspective and then I'll bring it up to date. Um, But you're looking at eastern Kentucky foothills, getting into the deeper parts of the... uh, Eastern Kentucky Appalachian chain, and what you saw was quite a dependence and reliance on um, coal, timber, natural resources. And not a lot of forethought or planning about what happens uh, to diversify or when those resources um, naturally come to an end. Uh, And so, caught up in those systems. A lot of money came through there and uh, a lot of opportunity for people without getting educations. So it was quite the asset, but also somewhat of a hindrance. Now that the coal and timber is not the economic uh, engine that it once was, or even close, now individuals are having problems with occupations, jobs, family life, everything around there. And so people are looking for solutions, ways to change. I don't call it a renaissance because a renaissance is a renewal. Uh, It is to capture something and change uh, the course of conduct and the way you operate, do business on all levels. So with that, um, let's go back about a year or two ago and group convene. Terry, you were involved in that. Jennifer was very much involved in that. Early discussions without really any thought about what was going to take place uh, and where it would lead on dealing with um, children who were gonna be brought into this world of a chemically dependent pregnant woman. And from there, I have to give Jennifer quite a bit of credit. Uh, this has grown into a much bigger Uh, endeavor uh, and has excited a lot of people about how this goes well beyond just that singular issue, even though it will have tremendous impact uh, on school systems and viability of the community in the future, uh, things are being looked at in a totally different way of how to basically create a dynamic, not only socially, but economically, to change the image that has been portrayed for many, many years that in part is accurate, but not in total accurate. And so there's a lot of excitement generated around what started as, as an intervention program, but has, is quickly growing into um, uh, the capturing of a totally new way of life. So Jennifer, I hate to put you on the spot because we we just heard from the expert
1: on Clay County, but uh, I'm wondering from an external lens, what can you add? What can you learn? I actually remember talking to you on the first time you were driving up to Clay County. I remember the first event you had and you shared, you didn't check the district basketball schedule. So you sort of had a conflict with a district ball game. So from an external lens. Talk about Clay County from yeah. your perspective. Yeah, well, well let's
0: talk a little bit about that uh, first town hall meeting that you just mentioned because despite the fact it was a district tournament and despite the fact the school board was calling an emergency meeting on that Monday evening, 74 people came to a town hall to hear a story from Volunteers of America What of what was possible and they had no idea who we were. They had never met me but we had 74 individuals in the community come out and just listen to what could be possible if we work together. So my perspective now, two plus years down the road is seeing a part of the Commonwealth that is absolutely gorgeous in every way. It is a beautiful landscape, especially this time of year, and it is populated by beautiful people who sincerely want to transform their community to be healthier Uh, to be more economically viable for the future of Kentucky, but have not had the um, resources or the ability to gain traction and to create a movement, which is what I think this is. It's certainly what it's becoming a movement where people feel empowered and hopeful that something can change dramatically at a foundational level. So it started, to President Stiver's good point, as solving for an addiction crisis, But the more we have been building community around this concept of opening our Freedom House program, the more clear it has become that we can't just solve for addiction, we have to solve for housing. We have to look at job creation. We have to look at the economic development opportunities that go along with all of this. We're even talking now about piloting the Family Recovery Court in Clay County as a companion to Freedom House. We're having early conversations about whether or not we can pilot a restorative justice project there. So the openness of the community has been really remarkable to me to see a community go from seeing us as strangers to welcoming us as friends and colleagues and um, collaborators. And that's been in two years.
1: So I'm, I'm curious, both of you talked about how this morphed from, you, everybody thought in the opening chapter that VOA was coming to solve, or at least be part of the solution around the addiction crisis. You've both talked about how it's grown to so much more. You know, I have one hypothesis. Uh, I remember that we did a kids count conversation in Manchester, and it was focused on just one data point, the number of kids who were in out-of-home care. What I remember about that scene was that at one table you had law enforcement, the county judge, the superintendent, DCBS officials, ministers, lots of folks. No one thought it belonged to somebody else. Everybody thought it belonged to everybody. So that's one image I have of how Clay County goes about solving problems. But I'm curious as to both from your experience, President Stivers, or you as sort of a rookie lens, Jennifer, what were the factors that took it from a targeted addiction effort to so much more? Well, first of all, let me say this. I'm
2: not sure if Jennifer's a rookie. She Um, is in Clay Clay County. Maybe in Clay County, that may be true. But um, I think truly what it was um, were discussions and, and I want I, I'm, I'm to lay this really at her feet in a positive way. There were discussions going on. And when you're in the mix, sometimes you lose sight of all the things that are going on. And you need to be one step removed from the process great point. to really view what's happening. So you had this little group here and this little group here. Yeah, everybody was sitting at the table where they were really talking to each other about what each one needed to do. And so enters VOA. VOA starts talking about this one issue we've talked about. But then they start talking about um, the social enterprises. Let's develop skills because this young lady who's going to bring this child in the world needs discipline, jobs, training, skills, and that opportunity. And then people start thinking, well, wait a minute. We all need that. Um, We need those. And then, well, once they have that, what are they going to be? How are they going to be employed? So it just takes off and through their work here in a lot of different ways with um, not just women, in, in this scenario, but individuals who need second chances, veterans that need to come back, the housing issue. It just started connecting and people didn't see her, and I, I'll use Jennifer as the face of VOA, uh, didn't see Jennifer as somebody who was just coming in to say, oh, you know, I'm from outside, I'm here as a savior mm-hmm. and I can cure everything. They saw her coming in as a partner and someone who could diagnose things and then bring solutions to the to the table through collaboration, and I think that's really ignited a lot of people that that had a cause, had a reason to see that, um, as we say in the mountains, you know, you got to have a team of mules at G and Hall. <laughs> they got to work together, and they just weren't. They were working, but were they working together with a common purpose? So, you helped folks G and
1: Hall, Jennifer. Yeah. Putting that in my resume. What other other factors did you see? What what caught you by surprise? Were there seminal moments that took this from the initial idea to so very much more?
0: I remember a conversation I had with the chief medical officer at Advent Health, the hospital system in town. This was early on, and we were um, having a cup of coffee at the Access Coffee Shop, which is uh, my version of Heine Brothers in Manchester. That's where we
1: did Kids
2: Count, upstairs. Okay, you know
0: what a wonderful place it is, and uh, the the folks that run that are some of my dearest Manchester friends today, and I was talking to the CMO and said, gosh, what do you think um, has enabled our um, success in breaking into Clay County? This was early on, but the really, I felt like the red carpet had been rolled out for, my, for us really early on. And that was surprising to me. I thought that I would have um, a lot more to prove being from Jefferson County. It,
1: it helped that the president was that the carpet roller it. definitely does router.
0: not hurt. I want to say it definitely does not hurt. Uh, but people had to authentically buy into this. And I felt early on that there was a sincerity that people were queuing us repeatedly. We want you here. Please come back. When are you coming back? When can we have the ribbon cutting? Do you need land? Do you need a piece of property? just coming out of the woodwork to help us. And again, I was worried going into this that people would be a little bit more hesitant, a little bit more reserved. And so I said to the CMO one morning, what do you think it is that's allowing us to be welcomed in so beautifully? And he said, I'll tell you what I see. And he's, he's not a native to Clay County, although he's been there now over 20 years, Jeff Newswinger. And he said, I think that this crisis has reached such a pinnacle in this community that any walls that would traditionally be expected because you are an outsider have been taken down by the sheer desperation of families who want something better for the next generation. And that has maybe reduced what could have been some normal barriers you would encounter. And so you're going to see a lot of people who are willing to work with you as long as you are consistent and you follow through and do what you say you're going to do.
1: Urgency is a good catalyst.
0: Absolutely. And that that has certainly been my experience is that every town hall we've had, every meeting I've had, I used to keep a running list. I need to update this actually of all the stakeholders that I've met with individually in Clay County, well over 100 people, most all of them have have a personal story related to addiction. It is very personal. And so I think that that sense of urgency coupled with An organization that is really committed to long-term change. We're not just going to be here overnight and flip a switch and make everything better. That's not how we do this. We really want to do it by integrating ourselves and immersing ourselves into the community. And we've certainly made a lot of efforts to roll up our sleeves and say, we want to be a part of this. We want to be a part of you. Tell us how we can best serve and help.
1: So I know that the current effort has lots of elements And I want to give you time to talk about those. Uh, One of the more prominent features that seems to pop up uh, whenever you all talk about it is the recovery community center. Can one or both of you talk a little bit about that?
2: I'm not going to get into a subject matter that I am not as expertise as the individual sitting next to me. Uh, But... It is something that I think is in conjunction with Axis and being there and um, the uh, physical appearance of it and its um, welcoming nature Mm -hmm. um, has helped just bring – Yeah, again, Jennifer said this, you know, has helped bring them into the community and it it makes a big difference. Um, and I'll give you a story uh, that reflects somewhat on the mentality, but also somewhat of our darker part of the history. Some people were actually coming to see me one day and they were in suits. And I'll tell you after this is over who it was. <laughs> and as they as they pulled into the local gas station, somebody looked up and walked up to them and said, hmm, FBI's here. Who are y'all here to arrest today? So um, that's not a real good atmosphere to have. And a lot of people look to individuals from the outside as, well, they're outsiders. They know it all. They're here to tell us what we need to do and do best. And this has not been the attitude that has been taken nor portrayed. Uh, and this is the, the the center is really kind of that indicator, that monument to
1: that. So talk about that, Jenna. How does that fit into your overall work? Take us there. Paint a picture for so it. So
0: literally next door to Axis, you can throw a stone and hit our recovery community center. And we were intentional about wanting to establish it next to the heartbeat of the community to give it exposure. And our and goal there. And you like good coffee. And I like good coffee. And I love the hospitality and the friends that over at the Axis, and they make great white chicken chili on thursdays i'll put in a plug uh and grilled cheese so but so having she's not it, there on Monday too, <laughs> is your thursday. thursday is my favorite day having it highly visible a place where the community can see it is so critical to our effort to destigmatize substance use disorder. That's really the aim of the Recovery Community Center is to give people permission to come and say, "I'm in recovery. May I access an AA meeting or an NA meeting here? How do I get back to work? I need some better housing. I need help with my family." So we have hired local staff who are people who have lived experience in recovery and they have wonderful experience to be able to pay forward to people who are right behind them on that journey and to provide some key supports to them. So it's open every day of the week and it's a place where you can just pop in for an hour. You can go to classes there. So we're having everything from yoga and nutrition to financial literacy courses as well as AA and NA meetings. And over time what we hope it creates is a sense of community and camaraderie and ultimately to bring awareness that this disease of addiction is the face of all of us, and there's no more need to hide from that, and that the more we are overtly focused on bringing people into this community, the more supports we can wrap around them, the more success they're gonna have long-term, and the community over time gets healthier. So we really see it as key to our overall goal of creating a healthy community, so that job creation is more viable, so that we can have some of the economic factors come back into play.
2: And and I want to comment that that is, you know, you um, we've just had this discussion and I think it's created a much bigger discussion about uh, how we create a foundation and a foundation that's almost, if not totally organic. So in a lot of it's it's a
1: place, it's a symbol, it's a catalyst for for all of that. Yeah. I want to I want to make sure we have time to talk some bigger picture questions, but before we go bigger picture, other aspects of the Clay County effort that you think listeners need to, to hear about in terms of distinctive programming or, or efforts?
2: I'm not going to say distinctive programming, but I think there is a common thread here. You know, you, you always had kind of the, the uncle that you... Was embarrassed by and you kept him over. <laughs> oh, in the he's corner. coming to Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think that's the way a lot of people looked at addiction for a long time. But back to something that that Jennifer said, um, that it has become so prevalent and touched so many, if not all, Amen. families, that it's like okay, we've got to do something. We've got to do something now, and it has to be real and holistic not just something that, that is a feel-good measure, it has to be data-driven, um, and, and something that you can quantify results. And so I think people really saw that, and that has been the biggest impetus, that something needs to be done, but it's been the personality of the whole group of VOA that's helped kind of bring everything together.
1: Great point. So this seems like a great example of that public-private partnership that folks talk about state and local and nonprofits and a variety of, of agencies. Uh, I, I guess my curiosity is how much of this is unique to Clay County, just the, the unique character of Clay County what can be exported? What are, what are lessons? So other communities face the addiction crisis. Other communities face similar issues. What advice, what lessons should they think about that you all are learning? I know both of you still see this as a work in progress, but uh, what, what do you say to folks, not just in eastern Kentucky, but
2: across the state? Well, I think that's possible uh, at a point in time. I don't know if you can ever replicate something in, in this scenario. You can emulate it because the dynamics. every extinction every, every county has a little bit different mm-hmm. s- setup. You know, roads are different. You know, I have city school systems over in Whitley County. I have no city school systems in Owsley County. So, it, and that's a big factor when you get into rural areas. But I think it will give hope if we can pull this off and I have every bit of confidence we can of changing the dynamics and that truly is what this is, changing the dynamics in Clay County that a Leslie County can look at it. But let's go over to uh, western Kentucky to, to uh, uh, out to the far west to, to one of the counties out there um, or further east in, in, in Letcher County or wherever. I think it gives people hope that, hey, look, they've done something. They've done it right. Does it take time? Yes. Does it take planning? Yes. Does it take effort? Yes. But it can be done. Jennifer, what
1: about you? You 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 go elsewhere. What lessons are you going to be keeping in your mind? I
0: I do think a year from now, once we have data behind us, we'll be able to formulate a toolkit. And I do think this is highly um, transportable to other areas. One of the things that I think I would do all over again in just the right order that we did this time is to spend time immersing ourselves in the community before we come up with a solution or before we are ready to put a stake in the ground or before, and we heard this actually in an earlier conversation today, that we had with a a key business leader who has had wild success, who's trying to do some similar things around a community development opportunity who basically said, don't focus on jobs first, focus on creating a cohesive, healthy community. And I think that has absolutely served us well. Um, So I, I do think that over time, we'll continue to accumulate all of the ingredients that are lending itself to our success. But first and foremost is spending time in community and truly getting immersed.
1: So I'd like you to step out of the Clay County experiment for just a moment. And we all know you cannot talk about Kentucky without talking about this opioid crisis. Uh, Mr. President, you're always very articulate and you don't look for the easy solution. Jennifer, there's nobody in the Commonwealth that has more research-based and intuitive sense of what we need to do. So can you talk for just a moment, maybe it's a matter of offering hope, Uh, you use that word, Mr. President, to listeners, that the opioid crisis does affect every family. It is a heart-rendering tragedy, but folks are working on it. What kind of hopeful signals do we see? Uh, I don't know if that's looking ahead to 2020 session. Can you talk just a little bit on a bigger picture scale as to what Kentucky
2: can do to attack this? I'm going to say one comment. First of all, you can go back if you want to know about the depth and breadth of it. When you have over 1,200 opioid-related deaths a year, that's 10 per county. I think we even hit as high as 1,400 uh, maybe a year or two ago. One of the one of the points of hope is that that's dropped 15 percent. Well, so there are some policies that are working out there.
0: When the national average is only 5%, mm. Kentucky beat that times three. That's
2: right. So so you're seeing some policies out there that are working. I want to say this, uh, and this is another area uh, where we're looking and what we looked at today uh, related to family courts, uh, trying to make sure that The individuals there because the family gets dissolved for many reasons and one of them is addiction but there's underlying problems to addiction earlier family problems uh, lack of education lack of hope lack of skills training um trauma as we talked about uh, and trauma has many many faces Uh, so doing things like that to get to the root of the problem and protecting early on, children getting in the right direction, I think you're seeing a more concerted effort mm-hmm. all the way down the line, even to the David Meads and working on how we change the adoption process. Right. I think that's all that, again, that type of organic change we have to make that will make long-term changes in what happens in, in this opioid problem Jennifer, to the better. Your clarion word is always that
1: addiction is not a moral failure. It's a public health crisis. So offer a little hope to listeners.
0: Yeah, Volunteers of America has been doing this work for so long now that we see clear evidence that we have tools available to help people deliver healthy babies, to help people on a path to long-term recovery, to be contributing members of our communities. And there is an economic savings to that. Every time we deliver a healthy baby, there's an immediate cost savings. Every time we avoid the cost of foster care, every time we avoid the cost of incarceration and emergency room visits. So there's significant cost savings available to the Commonwealth as we scale this. And I hope that is a message of hope for all of us who I know we are worried about the economic future and viability of of our state. In addition to that, I love that Manchester renamed itself the City of Hope. And so they have started to reframe the narrative. And it starts with the internal message. And then I think that message will get reinforced externally. So I guess the other part of this is that we have to be really noisy in talking about solutions that bring hope to people. We can't allow ourselves to be held back by being a little bit more reserved or whatever might keep us from shouting from the rooftops that we have to work together to bring solutions to people in need. and being willing to shout that, and trust that the echo will come back to us.
1: You all may be the only two people in Kentucky that can tackle a tough issue like this, and leave us with hope. So I really appreciate you being here today. Uh, I especially appreciate the the tone of hope and practical solutions that you gave. Until next time, this is Terry Brooks, and you've been listening to the Making Kids Count podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to the Making Kids Count podcast with Terry Brooks. For more information and to listen to more episodes, visit kyyouth.org slash podcast. Kentucky Youth Advocates is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization who doesn't accept government money so that we can remain truly independent. To support this podcast and our mission as the independent voice for Kentucky kids, please consider making a gift at kyyouth.org slash donate.